Hello, hello, and welcome to another hometown daily news show. Season two, episode 138 for May 18th, 2023. Disney is done. Cords are getting cut. Craft is getting sauced and more news. A quick rundown for tonight's articles. There's 11 of them is uh, L-O-T-R-O-V-L-O-T-R-O. We'll discuss the Beatberry keyboard, cutting costs and the cord. There's a wiggly snake astronaut, uh, Lipton RTDT, Titanic scans. This game's for the walls. Payouts accelerating to owners of stolen cars. Kraft Heinz sounds sauced. And the Star Wars Hotel is shutting down. And finally, Disney is signaling to Florida residents. Let's get into today's articles. Hello, hello. I am Marwat. That is hometown.com. And up there is the AI who saves me from myself on a regular basis. Want to say hi? Good evening, hometown citizens. Nice. Oh, it's doing it again. I know. Okay. Well, I uh, I don't know what why the visualizer keeps breaking, but it's almost becoming meme-like. So... Let's I'll work on it while we're going through the articles. Um, we had a big breakthrough today in all things hometown. Um, so probably next week we will be deploying a new feature. It's not entirely complete, but the minimum viable product is going to be released here um, next week. And it'll be a neat feature on hometown where you can cat not categorize. You can save, hide, and recover articles. As you get them, you can actually save them for later. So if you're in a hurry, you can basically stash a library worth of articles for each day. And it'll be a big list and we have plans for the future. We won't disclose all of those because we need to keep some secrets so that we can surprise you later on. But um, we're doing baby steps, but I tested it today. Looks pretty darn good. Um, I'm really excited to have this release. So I, I may be announcing this earlier than I really want or should, but doggone it. <laughs> this is like one of the bigger features um, being added to hometown. Um, other stuff is actually easier, but this is actually gonna, this was pretty difficult and um, it'll be, it'll be fun. So at least it'll be neat for people who uh, become citizens of hometown because it, it's a feature that you have to have an account in. Um, hometown is free. This little feature is free, but you basically sign up and while you are on a mobile app, you can do it differently on the desktop, but the mobile app is, or the mobile website is where it really shines. You'll be able to swipe left and save it, swipe right and hide it, 
go to two different pages to save basically links that you've saved and links that you've hid. And if you want to recover one that you hid, you can swipe left again and it'll pull it out of hiding and put it into the save. And then if you want to get rid of something in save, you swipe it right again. Actually, no, you always it's it's pretty much always swiping left. You swipe it left and it'll move it out of saved. So it's pretty neat. Um, but I'll probably end up launching it late next week after further testing. We don't have a public beta or anything like that. Um, it's in our dev site. So at any rate, let's get into today's articles. Sound good? Sounds great. And I can't wait for the new features. Yeah. And there's another one coming. It's just not part of the MVP. So but let's just keep on. Well, I'll focus on our positive steps. The next step is actually a hurdle because we got to keep things secure. So, um, okay, let's go. So this first article is in the Warcrafters channel, and I'm going to flex because I am an early adopter of Lord of the Rings Online. This article is titled Lord of the Rings Online is not going away just because Amazon's making a Lord of the Rings MMO. It is beloved. It is 16. It is evergreen. So I have not logged in to my Lord of the Rings founders account in probably eight years, but I was around as a beta tester on Lord of the Rings online, paid for a founders account. So I have lifetime access to the core features of Lord of the Rings online, the original Lord of the Rings online. Um, I am going to end up logging into this this weekend to see what all I have access to. But it's one of those games where I started playing it and then life pulled me away. I started uh, doing other stuff in school and, and so on. Um, and, you know, you might be asking yourself, you know, Marwat, you look a little old for being in school. Well, I'm kind of a chronic um, learner. So, um, yeah, I've spent a lot of time in the classroom, but I gave up Lord of the Rings online and world of Warcraft at that fanatical level, you know? Um, so I could focus on school and all that kind of jazz. But anyway, this is really neat, but also a bummer because I think Amazon games, it says Amazon games is taking another crack at Lord of the Rings MMO. It revealed on Monday. The news is that it'll focus on the period covered uh, by the Lord of the Rings trilogy and the Hobbit puts it in direct competition with the established Lord of the Rings online MMO. However, the developer standing stone games has been trying to reassure its community that it's not in trouble. I think it's in trouble. <laughs> I think it's in trouble because Amazon, is a juggernaut and they can basically price out the old school Lord of the Rings online, even with its updates, even with its blah, blah, blah. There might be a group of people that are willing to stay there, but I think that the, if it actually takes off and Amazon games hits it out of the park, then the original Lord of the Rings online MMO is 
gone. It's going to, it's going to die on the vine. My only problem is I labeled this title for this particular article. Um, L O T R O V L O T R O because this will be marketed as Lord of the Rings MMO, but it's no matter what they call it, they call it, they could call it the rings of power. They could call it whatever they want, but it'll still be confusingly similar to the original Lord of the Rings mark. So how is Amazon? Amazon has a better chance of literally just buying out the original Lord of the Rings MMO, throw a billion bucks at them. <laughs> I don't know how much it really is worth, but throw a massive amount of money at them and then start enhancing Lord of the Rings MMO. That would be their safer bet. Because competition Agreed. cannot, competition can't I mean, this, exist for this brand, right? Right. I mean, yeah, I don't know the name, but I assume the content is going to be really similar too. Yeah. I, um, I'll let, let's go over to the article. It's over at PC gamer. And uh, PCGamer.com, Fraser Brown is the author, and it says uh, Standing Stone has every intention of growing and support and supporting this community. Um, now I'm really excited to log back in and see what my account looks like. The uh, it says the news that it will focus on the period covered by Lord of the Rings trilogy and the Hobbit puts it in direct competition with the established Lord of the Rings online. But I don't think that it's that element of it. I think it's, it's Mark. It's brand recognized Mark. It is owned wholly by the, the Lord of the Rings MMO Lord of the Rings online <laughs> is still owned by standing stone. So how can they possibly well, um, the article, it says spotted by GameSpot, Standing Stone has responded to its community with a brief forum post. We wanted to give everyone in the community an update and assure you all that Lord of the Rings Online is not going away. It reads like you, we and our partners at Middle Earth Enterprises are huge fans of LOTRO. Um, it is beloved. It is 16. It is evergreen LOTRO. Um, it is like the long-lived Ents, Elves, and Dwarves. And we mere mortals are the stewards of L-O-T-R-O. Might, they might pronounce it Latro or what something like that, but I, I never have said that. So L-O-T-R-O. Uh, and its community. Standing Stone has every intention of growing and supporting this community. The road goes ever on. Um, I'm, I'm going to be really interested in this. What could possibly happen um amazon games vp christoph hartman takes some swipes albeit diplomatic ones at its rival in a games industry.biz interview and says i think they actually can coexist even the most likely scenario is for people to just move over because the other one is an old game it's not a bad game but the industry moves on at some point and it's long time for their release to ours from their release to ours. So they're basically saying, and eh, it's been around for 16 years. It's time to move on from their offering 
come over to ours. But I, again, I don't think it's the content. I don't think it's the, the game itself. I think it's the brand. You can't have two. I wonder if the other one is trademarked. Well, I mean, if the mark, the mark would be owned by the estate that owns the, it's called, um, what is it called? Um, but middle earth enterprises, they're the ones that are going to have the mark and it's going to be licensed for this segment computer games <laughs> to one company. You can't license it to two. Well, exactly. So, but that's what I'm saying. If that exists, that's a much different situation than if it doesn't. That'll be interesting, right? It's what not if Amazon written with throws... the trademark in the article. They don't even mention the trademark in the article, huh? Mm -mm. Yeah, I'll have to do some due diligence and see. This will spring back up as Amazon further considers releasing an LOTRO, a Lord of the Rings uh, MMO. So we'll see. Um, but they're saying that they're going to take another crack at it. Yeah, I think any attorney that says that this is a good idea is probably smoking crack. Uh, the AI saw that coming. All right, let's um, let's move on to the next article. So like always, uh, our articles are thrown out. Well, it's, they're not our articles. Uh, we aggregate the headlines in a little snippet that the sources provide. And we actually throw our URLs over into hometown.showbot.tv so that you can vote on the articles that you find interesting. So by all means, um, go over to uh, hometown.showbot.tv and vote. Um, also, while the VODs are here on Twitch, ultimately they get moved over to YouTube each night or the following day, depending on how much work hometown requires of its mirror. So the long-term storage is over on YouTube and the podcast exists and you can catch it wherever you have a catcher of pods. Doth thou even catch pods? Anyway, let's this this article here. It, this is neat. I love this kind of stuff. I think that I'll end up getting one of these if it's available. Um, but it says, are you a hacker who happens to miss their Blackberry? Looks like there's a new product. That's just your speed. The Beepberry. The Beepberry is a Blackberry keyboard tinker toy from the founder of Pebble. So Pebble is an old school well, it's a watch. I was actually one of the backers of the Pebble back on Kickstarter has to have been 15 years ago. <laughs> At least that's right. It predated the um, Apple watch, right? Uh, you know, I don't. Yes, I'm going to say yes. I don't even know. I'd have to look. Um, well, this Beatberry, it says it literally graphs the keyboard of a BlackBerry Classic onto a pocketable custom board designed to fit a Raspberry Pi Zero W, all paired with a 400 by 240 memory LCD screen that looks like it was ripped from an old graphing calculator, but it's a bit more sophisticated. So 
let's go over to the source of this. Umar Shakir is the uh, author of this. It says the Beatberry is a $79 custom pocket computer with a real BlackBerry keyboard. It's designed to run the Beeper Messenger app, but it can be hacked to do most anything. Okay, I'm in love with this thing only because it's very gadgety. It's this picture, it says the Beatberry with other fruits accompanying it. It's got a banana for scale and an apple to just kind of, I don't know, pick a, I don't know why the apple's there, whatever. And it's a Blackberry though. So that I'm done. It's not even a Blackberry. It's a Beatberry. This is pretty neat. So Raspberry Pi Zeros are imminently available. Unlike Raspberry Pis, those are actually difficult. But I think I've got like 10 Raspberry Pi Zeros right now. I could probably do this um, if I can get the rest of the parts. Anyway, the Beatberry is designed by Eric uh, Majakovsky, founder of the Gone But Not Forgotten Pebble smartwatch and more relevantly, co-founder of Beeper, the hacky all-in-one messaging app that stuffs um, every service from WhatsApp to iMessage into one place using a broken, a jailbroken iPhone. Hello, Z. How are you? Lurking and working. Thank you for coming and hanging out. Appreciate it. So the device is ostensibly designed to run Beeper without any other online distractions, but Majikowski knows what you're thinking. He also describes Beatberry as a portable e-paper computer for hackers. So I might take a stab at this, or I'm going to uh, talk with a compatriot of mine to see if he'll hack this into a cyber deck um, because he tinkers around with this kind of stuff. Um, and, um, yeah, well, I'll just leave it at that for 79 bucks. You get the Beatberry mounting screws and a 2000 milliamp hour battery. Although you'll have to find a way to hold the battery in place. Yeah. It's easy to create that kind of stuff. It says here in some demos, the creators are literally using rubber bands to hold the, the battery in place. In addition wow, to the two point bit much, <laughs> Hey, hackers got a hack. You could use that like tacky, um, like blue tack, stick it on there and then squeeze the battery on and hold it in place that way. So I'm probably going to just end up taking a look at this. It's over at a, a shop called SQFMI. That sounds weird. <laughs> um, Let's see. It says, if you're interested in Beatberry, you might want to act fast. There's only 50 initially available to ship. You'll need to put in your order and then fill out the early access program form on the bottom of the page to let them know that you want it now. The site does not mention how many of the initial 50, if any, remain available for purchase. But since I'm talking about it much later than when it was published, um, yeah, May 17th at 7.19. So it was after the show, um, after we had prepped for the show. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that they're all gone because people just love to scoop this kind of stuff up. Right. But I'm guessing if a lot of people fill out the form, they'll probably make another batch of these. Yeah. I mean, if they can make a profit, but time is money. And if, believe me, hackers... Uh, if 
if they're not stimulated with something new and interesting, they'll move on to something new and interesting. So if this isn't actually, you know, really interesting, they'll just move on. Um, but then again, um, there's an app that underlies this. They're, they're, um, where is beeper it? App. Yeah, they're beeper app. Yeah. And that's what's, that's kind of the thing that's really empowering this. Um, maybe that's what'll end up happening. People, they'll keep on producing it because people are using the beeper app for this. Yeah, pretty cool. I love this kind of stuff. Okay, let's go on to the next article. So this next article here is um, in the Hatch Ideas channel, 1 million cancel broadband as living costs rise. So it says here, citizens advice says the high cost of living means many are struggling to afford the essential service. So they're actually canceling broadband, um, which is just kind of a horrible thing because it, it expands this technology gap and pulls people out of the information loop. Even if there is information overload, which is the reason why I created hometown. Um, but let's, let's talk a little bit more about this. Chris Valance is the technology reporter for BBC.com where this article was housed. And it, so it says, um, the government said it had encouraged social tariff take up by working with Ofcom and the industry to introduce a range of products to the market. These were available in 99% of the UK and started from 10 pounds per month. It added this is, and that is apparently too pricey. Citizens advice said its survey of 6,000 people suggested those receiving universal credit were six times more likely to have stopped spending on broadband in the last 12 months than non-claimants. So obviously but, they're still trying to survive, right? Right. I was going to say that is too pricey if you can't even afford your um, residence or food, you're working yeah. three jobs. Yeah, just the basics, right? So way, 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 way back. I created that. So this is going to sound like it's BS, but I actually created the first free internet service here in the United States. It was a nationwide service launched from a two bedroom apartment. Um, and then a competitor with bigger pockets came onto the scene, um, and dominated. And there's a longer story there, but I can see at the current cost of entry-level broadband, the return of free internet access, and arguably people will tolerate the way that it was done 30 years ago, which was a banner ad that was sitting prominently on the screen that when it was gone, you didn't have access, but when it was the top window, which you can coincide with the browser, you had full internet access. Um, and if you did it for a certain amount of time, you had internet access, even without the ad actually on there, um, and worked like a charm, but gone were the days of dial up and broadband took over, but nobody has reintroduced this idea of an ad driven internet access feature. So maybe somebody should. Entry-level broadband is not that expensive. And at 10 pounds, 
it's easily recovered with advertising revenue. Um, so I don't know. Uh, maybe I should start talking to people kind of like my anti-spam mail service. These were really two really massive services that were basically eclipsed by other people um, and regulation. So I don't know. This is it's really sad, though. I think that it's important that people get Internet access, broadband or otherwise. Dial up is basically a dying breed, so it needs to be broadband. It's faster. It's less complicated, less messy. You can't find a modem per se, you know, an acoustic modem. Um, so I don't know. It's it just kind of sucks because I'm a proponent of closing that technology gap, the digital divide, as it's called. Um, and it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be that expensive. Uh, you know, governments should really push the idea of entry level, everybody getting every household getting entry level internet access. That's how people yeah. get their information. It should almost be considered a basic um, necessity. Yeah. Yep. Um, and there was another person that was talking about this whole automate the process and, and give AI the, the, the tools necessary to run government. Yeah. That was um, in our show yesterday. In what, yeah. And one of the things about that was that you basically are given an account where you have access to all government services through this account. So why not have basic internet access through this account? Well, right. I mean, that sounds great, but not if you don't have internet access, right? Yep. Well, that I'm just saying that it would be free. Well, no, that's what I, I mean. They would work together because that idea is only as good as people having the access to the yeah. very services. And the government can work with local broadband providers and say this account should be flagged as being government supported. It's entry level. It's $5 or 10 uh, pounds or whatever it is, depending on the region. Um, and the government will compensate. Yeah. There's a solution here. There's a problem and a solution. And I think that it's, I think it's brilliant, but it will, it would take nowadays some serious change to kick this off. Um, okay. Pretty cool. Let's, let's keep on moving. So, uh, what I forgot to do was throw this last article into the chat, of course, because I am a slacker. Come on, Marowat, one job. Well, this next article is, um, NASA is working on a wiggly snake-like autonomous rover alternative to boldly go where no rob robot has, I said robot, a robot has gone before. It's like a, a robot frog robot. <laughs> so NASA is currently testing an autonomous snake robot, which looks to have a lot of potential as an alternative to current rover ro uh, units dubbed the exobiology extant life surveyor or eels. Wow. They worked real hard. 
the project aims and to create And why did they want eels? Why didn't they have something that spelled snake or... Yeah, something. Rover or something. <laughs> Slither or something. Yeah. Oh, that would be good. Um, well, I, they could have said that. They have two of the... Le well, three if you... Right? Mm -hmm. They could have done it. They were really close. Just rejigger this. Anyway, um... The project aims to create a robot that can handle much more extreme terrain than its predecessors. Yeah, those wheels don't really allow it to travel over all kinds of stuff. But you know what the fatal flaw for snakes is, right? <laughs> that they can't go up hills. Yeah, yeah. Where did we hear that from? It was from some, like... HGTV or something there was a show where somebody was like deathly afraid of snakes and they truly believed that snakes could not make it up the hill so a house on a hill was a good thing <laughs> <laughs> and we've been laughing about it for a long time after that <laughs> yep uh, according to this person snakes can't go up a hill so buy a house on a hill you won't have any snake problems well we've proven that wrong <laughs> but we won't get into that. Okay. So the project came to life through the desire to look for signs of life in the um, ocean hiding below the icy crust of Saturn's moon. Uh, I always mispronounce this Enceladus. Enceladus. Sorry. Um, that's how NASA's Jet Propulsion uh, Lab tells the story. So let's go over to the article. And uh, Katie Wickens is the author. They say their their little deck statement is, I, for one, welcome the era of autonomous interplanetary snakes. I agree. Oh, is that really? That looks oh, a lot bigger. Oh, I hadn't bigger. seen a picture of it yet. Wow. So again, this article is over at PCGamer.com by Katie Wickens. And it says the project came to life through the desire to look for signs of life in the ocean hiding below the icy crust of Saturn's moon. I think it's Enceladus. I think that's the proper way to say it. Enceladus or Enceladus. Um, with the difficult goal of traversing Enceladus's rough terrain set, which would involve checking for extraterrestrial life inside the vents of geysers strong enough to blast vapor into space. Eels had its work cut out. So there's a lot more over here at this um, article at PC Gamer. Um, but essentially, they want to make it. It looks like a much bigger snake than I, it says right now. The prototype is 220 pounds, 13 feet long, is propelled by a screw like segment uh, with a nifty grabber for a head. It's pretty neat. They got a bunch of pictures. I encourage you to just go over to this PC Gamer article. If I have not teased you enough into or piqued your curiosity, I should say, uh, to want to go over to this article, then um, I am just failing at my job as mayor of Ometown, trying to provoke y'all to go and check out these articles. Um, I have no real way of knowing um, if you're going over there, but um, I certainly hope you do. There's always a little bit more that you can eke out in terms of information, um, sometimes a whole lot more, but it looks pretty cool. Th these little things here look like the, um, what do they call those? 
insulators on high voltage lines. Oh yeah, um, they do. But they're laying down in the snow. <laughs> Maybe that, I mean, I wonder if that's what they are. I, I actually I, thought it looked like a kid's macaroni necklace. Oh, that too. You know yeah. where they're strung together on a piece of yarn or something. In reality, it looks like a whole bunch of segments of bendy straws. Yes, exactly. Because the corrugation yep. or what looks like corrugation. I bet you when it's slithering along, it's making that sound, that little. Most definitely. <laughs> and that's a technical term, by the way. Let's hustle on to the next article. And this one is for me because I love ready to drink drinks. Um, Lipton debuts its first boozy tea amid a crowded canned cocktail market in a Venn diagram. Would there be much overlap between traditional iced tea drinkers and flavored malt beverage fans? Maybe a sliver, but the launch campaign for Lipton's first boozy iced tea aims more at a lake weekend cooler toting crowd than the country club Arnold Palmer swilling set. Hmm. I don't know how this will work out. So this is an article over at um, Ad Week. N normally they're uh, like um, these articles have like a paywall, a soft paywall that I don't normally have access to this stuff. Um, but maybe this will work out just fine. Um, so Lipton hard iced tea. So it's already won me over because I love iced teas. Um, it doesn't seem like it's an Almer, Almer, Arnold Palmer because the moment you take an Arnold Palmer and add alcohol, it's a hard iced tea. They don't call it an Arnold Palmer anymore because an Arnold Palmer is nothing more than iced tea and lemonade. So you throw some alcohol in there and although there's more in an in a hard iced tea, that's pretty damn close to a hard iced tea. Um, anyway, creatives at Founder Agency leaned into the reputation of the 133-year-old heritage brand for the intro spots while aiming directly at existing buyers of market leader Twisted Tea and other competitors in the hard iced tea category. So they came up with a tagline of your cup of hard tea and a series of ads that say it's an obvious move for the legacy brand to add 5% alcohol kick to its flagship beverage. Lipton iced tea is getting hard. Yeah, it'll probably kick your butt. Because you won't even know. I mean, unless the alcohol is really like basic and just burning your throat, you're going to be blitzed drinking these things. So be careful, folks. Well, right. Says, and if you're sitting out in the sun or something and you're just drinking a lot of iced tea to stay cool i could see that uh yeah it might catch up to you yeah you'll get dehydrated and because you're not drinking just water you're drinking you know basically five percent alcohol when it tastes that good and you don't drink uh, water on the side you're just gonna get obliterated so be smart folks stay hydrated not just with hard iced tea Anyway, it says there's a lot of power in this very obvious move from Lipton. So we wanted to see uh, how literal we could get with it. So this will be obviously ad week is focused on the advertising aspect of things. Um, I won't play the video 
but there's um, a video over here too that introduces uh, Lipton hard iced tea uh, via a mechanical bull ad spot apparently. So it looks like it's fun to me. Let's keep on going through the articles. So this next article is over in the mobile channel. Astonishing 3D scans reveal tectonic tectonic. I'm such an idiot today. Astonishing 3D scans reveal Titanic shipwreck in extraordinary new detail. I've actually seen these pictures before um, the article floated through Omtown, um, or at least before it was submitted. It had been in Omtown for a while, but um, anyway, I saw these scans earlier today. Uh, the images by British mapping company Magellan reveal Titanic. In unprecedented clarity, the ship sank in 1912 and still grips the public imagination. Let's go over to the Washington Post. Uh, and it was from a different place that I saw these, not Washington Post. So Adela Suleiman is the author of this article. It has these animated 3D scans of Titanic on the ocean floor. Still in the exact same spot where it sink uh, it's astonishing detail <laughs> it still has its anchor up it or anchors up um there's debris all over the deck whatever was above deck like smokestacks and stuff like that are gone um and uh it looks it looks like if you were to close off the ends where it split in half, you could probably raise the Titanic, but it did split in two places. So, so more than it says more than a century after Titanic sank on its maiden voyage from England, a tragedy that continues to captivate scientists, Hollywood and the public cutting edge technology may be providing clues as to how the most luxurious passenger ship of its time met such a doomed end. I think we pretty much know now, right? I think we do. Um, I think they know exactly what happened at this point. Yeah, uh, I think that they have sent drones down. They've done this, in, like taken photography and stuff like that. of it. And they know that the design spec wasn't actually met. Um, that the compartments weren't actually sealed off properly on top. And so when one compartment flooded, it actually over flooded the, the, the walls into another compartment, eventually causing the ship to fracture in half. Then the two places, the two pieces were wide open um, and then sank. And the iceberg that caused it all actually cut a gouge across it an extended distance so there was really no recovery if it wasn't for the fact that they didn't cap these segments off properly if they would have done that one thing titanic would still be around probably oh wow yeah so magellan's process generated over 715,000 still images that provided the data allowing the team to create a digital model with startling clarity it shows the bow and stern section of the ship, which separated upon sinking. That's not how it's described, though. Not upon sinking. It it split as it was sinking. Right. 
Right, I agree. Um, as well as uh, the scene's three-mile debris field, because basically it split in half and floated away from each other. There's another story of another ship where they thought that they were being rescued, but it was actually the rear portion of their ship that was still under power and steamed right into them. Oh, wow. Um, so these ships were pretty robust. And if not for simple human error or maybe cost cutting, right? Um, these ships would still be around. The wreck was not touched or disturbed in the process, the company said, and ended with a flower laying ceremony in memory of those who died. Magellan is now working with media company Atlantic Productions to make a documentary about the project. It's pretty neat. There's a bunch of pictures. Um, I don't think that, yeah, you can't click on them to uh, enlarge them, but um, this is it's pretty fascinating. I would love to yeah, be able to dive something like this. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it was with such resolution, high resolution that they actually showed personal items like shoes and crockery. Um, amazing. Yeah, that tech is just going to get more and more capable. I can imagine swimming around in this in VR um, and being able to really immerse yourself in this incident with a story that's being told about what went down and the people and stuff like that. Um, because they know where people were in the rooms and everything, you know, you could swim up to one of these windows and find out about the person that was in that cabin at that time, you know, the history of lower deck, you know, treatment of people and, um, the various classes. Um, what is the, there's a food um, YouTube. Um, food theory? No, 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 not food theory. It's the, the history one. Oh, tasting history. Oh, tasting history. Yeah. If you've never heard of tasting history, just do a search uh, on YouTube for tasting history. And um, you'll pull up uh, a guy with great charisma. Great. Max Miller. Max Miller. Yeah. Presentation is amazing. There's history and, um, gives greater context about the meals that you're about to eat. Um, and has a recipe that you can actually follow along with. Yeah. And it, it's so inviting that you want to sit there and uh, watch it. Um, and I think it's every Tuesday that he releases another video, although he might be right now doing something with his new cookbook. He might be on tour. Um, Did he have one about the Titanic? Yes, he's actually had several because he goes through um, what the first class had, what the second class had, what third class had. Um, also, like what was readily available um, and gives that context of like the sinking um, and, and talks about it briefly. So it's pretty neat. And it is, I mean, it's really history. So, um, but he's been doing it since the pandemic has over a million subscribers now, something like that, maybe more. So the new images may trigger another surge of fascination. So I can imagine that that's exactly what'll happen. And I really do hope that they introduce something like a VR Titanic 
um, where you can find out much more personal information about the people because there is quite a bit of data out there. So pretty neat. Did you want to go on to the next article? Sure. So this next article is in the Warcrafter channel. Developer of the Mage Seeker, a League of Legends story reveals new base building RTS. Um, so one of the moodier trailers shown at the Humble Games Showcase today was for Cataclysmo, a new base builder, tower defense RTS from Digital Sun, developer of the Mage Seeker, a League of Legends story. I'm actually in love with League of Legends. It's but I, I don't play League of Legends. I I dig this the the world building and the music that's associated with it. Um, there's there's something that's really drawing me to it. And then they said, hey, we're going to be building an MMO. I don't know what the status of that is anymore. Um, I had heard rumors that it wasn't going to be um, developed as fast as I thought it was. And maybe it might be on hold now. Uh, but don't don't hold me to that because that's just a, kind of just a back of my head memory of something that I read. Um, but I would love a League of Legends MMO. Anyway, Cataclysmo is a game about building fortresses brick by brick in a dark fantasy world where a deadly mist has enveloped the landscape. In the trailer that we're going to see, um, the camera moves slowly through the game's murky world, showing us swarms of ghostly white creatures in the midst of attacking a towering fort defended by medieval archers. So, over at the source, PC Gamer. Oh, and before I go that far, let me throw <sighs> one of these days. I'll just have to get somebody else to copy all of this stuff into the chat because I keep neglecting y'all. I'm sorry. I'm a horrible host. Um, so Christopher Livingston over at PC Gamer put this article together and the deck statement says uh, build a fortress piece by piece and defend it from invaders and tower defense strategy cataclysmo. I want this. Um, just the idea of this build a fortress piece by piece. It reminds me of a game that I had come up with uh, many years ago. And since I'm not really a, a software engineer, I never um, raised the capital to make it happen, um, but I would love it to exist. I won't even go into it, but there's some context clues in this. Um, well, Cataclysmo is that is a game about uh, building a fortress brick by brick. So let's watch this and we'll talk about it. It's already muted, so I won't get a DMCA. Um, basically, it's this mist filled uh, screen with what looks like the beginnings of a platform. There's something that's casting off some light. It's kind of a, a slow walk into whatever is about to happen. Um, yeah, they're they, not trying to overwhelm you in this trailer. <laughs> yeah, it's not a it's not a frenetic uh, trailer. That's for sure. Everything is frozen, and by frozen I mean in time, not temperature. And if these are ghosts, 
I don't know if that's ghosts or just creatures, right? Swarms of ghostly white creatures. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and it is. It's all frozen in time, and there are... Well, they're not... It's not entirely frozen in time. The flame is flickering. What's happening? I guess you'll have to play it and find out. Yeah. I love the idea, though, of building your defenses brick by brick. Um, and then getting attacked, I suppose. I really hope that this is uh, competitive. Sorry, I scrolled. Uh, I moved away because it was basically a <laughs> it was a trailer that was basically a still image just slowly showing <laughs> detail or something. It, that was weird. Um, not my favorite trailer, but uh, I love the idea, the premise of the game. Um, let's see if it see if it says anything here it says no release date or even release year for cataclysmo has been announced yet but the in the meantime um pc gamer can point you to the steam store page so at least it's there you can pull up cataclysmo no price no date no nothing i'm um, just a holding page let's go on to the next article so this next article is um, something that we've been talking about for months now as more news, more events, things keep happening. So to keep you more informed about what's going on, Kia and Hyundai will pay out millions to people who had their cars stolen in TikTok-inspired Kia Boy thefts. I have I never seen anything like that occurring before. Ever. I don't mean the thefts, I mean the payouts. Yeah. I mean, it's like Although accepting... I would say even the thefts, I don't remember on such a wide scale for one make. Yeah. Isn't this fascinating? It's accepting liability for the fact that security was so weak in the in the vehicles that a simple video on TikTok showed how to mass steal. So Kia and Hyundai will pay millions to people who had their cars stolen in a TikTok inspired trend, the Kia Boys trend involved using a common USB charging cord or metal object to start the car. The settlement is valued at more than $200 million. Okay, so the only way they're paying this much out is somebody has advised them that they would be liable for much, much more. And maybe the, just all the negative <laughs> um, publicity from a trial, etc. But this kind of... It's interesting. Like it's going to set some interesting precedent. Don't you think? That's amazing. I don't mean like court precedent, but I just mean like people are going to expect this if they have any other theft type issues or for that matter, other issues with their cars. Uh, well, I mean, if they can find something that's systemic. So this article's over at businessinsider.com. Chris Pinella and uh, Jack Newsham um, or Newsom is the uh, author of this. Yeah, pretty much summed up what the article is talking about, but it they obviously they go into greater detail. Um, the proposed settlement is valued at more than $200 million and the law firm Haggins or Hagens, uh, Hagens Berman, sorry, it's Hagens Berman, um, which represented car owners in the lawsuit announced on Thursday. So there was a lawsuit. Um, 
It affects owners of certain 2016 to 2021 Hyundai models and certain Kia models made between 2011 and 2021. <laughs> Good God. Think how many cars were on the road that could be stolen based on this. All because they were built without an immobilizer. It's a common anti-theft device that prevents cars from being started without the code from the vehicle's individual smart key. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Sorry, I have to I stop this video. I wonder if they're gonna do something where, like, it's now mandatory by whatever the safety. There's something about transportation safety. I can't think of what it is. Yeah. But I, I'm wondering if they're gonna mandate it for all new vehicles or something after this. Oh wow, Z um has a friend that fell victim to it. Wow, sorry to pull oh, you no. out of your lurk, uh, but thanks. Wow, that's fascinating. I haven't met anybody that's actually been hit by this. Um, it It's amazing that, well, here, I'm sure that they're going to find a solution, right? They're, every car is now going to have to have an immobilizer. If it doesn't already, they, these just were built without it because what ended up happening is post 2015 i think it is every car has to have a backup camera now um so you can't get a car a modern car now that doesn't have a backup camera it's what i no, was told I didn't know that. um so z says it was a wild story doesn't even want the car now well i'm here if you were listening to this while you were lurking um i well obviously you were because you made the comment but there's a proposed settlement valued at $200 million. So Point don't your get friend. rid of the car yet. <laughs> <laughs> don't get, yeah, don't just ditch the car yet. Here, I'll throw you the link. Um, I don't think that I put it into the chat. There you go. If you follow that link and then click the visit the source, it'll uh, send you over to this article. And um, I'm sure they can provide it. And just doing a search for um, what? key a settlement and it'll probably yes, pull this 20, up and then put the year in and then it'll it should be right there or kia boys settlement something um hell the name of it is hagen's berman so if you do a search for hagen's berman it'll probably pull it up too it's pretty current because uh, it was announced today so um but i never have heard have i heard of a settlement like this where it seems like it's it was indefensible they basically said yeah okay because <laughs> i didn't hear any arguments you know there wasn't any press talking about them fighting it they just showed up to mitigate the loss well right but that's why i feel like they're probably doing it to just avoid the bad publicity of a trial yeah exactly well the damage was already done to their reputation Z says, I'm sure she'll get a hefty $5 for it. <laughs> yeah, but the attorneys are going to get a, a nice new Ferrari. At least the principals in the law firm. Well, we just lost Hagen's Berman as a sponsor. I'm sorry. Their terms are that they get any bonus except for a Kia or Hyundai. Or That's right. Yeah. Yeah, Kia and Hyundai. Yeah. They did not accept uh, stocks for the for either company 
Yeah, so I thought it was interesting enough to um, talk about this, that I have never heard of a car company accepting it to this degree. You know, I, there's been greater litigation about being forced to put um, seat belts in cars for crying out loud and simply to stop to, to prevent the government from regulating them. They said, OK, OK, we'll put seat belts in the cars. Um, we'll do it on our own, that kind of thing. I'm um, pretty amazing. But just who who figured this out? Somebody woke up one day and said, hey, you know, you can rip off a car because it doesn't have an immobilizer. Well, that's the thing I don't really understand. Like, was it just discovered by accident as somebody was trying to steal something? I don't know. You have a, a handy USB drive. So all you do is you break into the uh, into the column and all I have is a USB drive. Oh, let's try it. And ta-da, it. <laughs> well, that kind of makes you think it's like an insider info, yeah. like somebody who worked on the car yeah. or, or built the car or something. Because I don't know how you would just discover that. And it's like word of mouth. There's a weakness in the security apparatus for the, the vehicle. And then somebody tries it one day and it works. And then that person tells somebody that has a little bit more nefarious intent. And then it goes viral, ends up on TikTok. Right. That's probably how it went. But somebody knew that there was a missing uh, immobilizer in these cars and off to the races, so to speak. Yeah, let's go on to the next. So this next art article, uh, I thought was interesting because Kraft Heinz is rolling out a make your own sauce machine with over 200 possible flavors. This cannot be like a, a countertop thing at your house. So it's not, it's for the restaurants, I think, because I was going to say this can't be for consumers. So the machine is expected to be in restaurants by late 2023 or early 2024. I hope they have a picture. They probably don't though. The, um, Emily Rella over at entrepreneur.com put the article together. Oh, there it is. But this is a render. So it looks like a coffee machine or a soda machine. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to do the parallel for. So, okay, let's scroll up a little bit just so that we can say the machine will allow users to first select a base. So ketchup, ranch, barbecue sauce, or Heinz 57 sauce. Heinz 57 sauce. Anyway, I thought that um, was ketchup, but okay. Yeah. Anyway, we'll have to look. Um, anyway, before adding flavor profiles and levels of spice and flavor intensity uh, in order to customize their own creation. So first off, I love this. I love the idea of this because then you can. Let's hope that it has like a barcode or something that remembers who you are. So you can just walk up and get your own special sauce. Every time, always the same. Well, I kind of want this for residences. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have to have all of these packs. Yeah, right? I know. And you probably couldn't use it up fast enough. Okay, so I don't really care about the, the stats for Kraft Heinz. Although, well, it says the company was nearly flat at just 0.91% growth year over year as of Thursday afternoon. That's my takeaway. 
I, I would have predicted that anyway, because it's basically just this, it's just this juggernaut of uh, a mass amount of ownership and they're making a whole bunch of money, but they're not growing because they own half the world. Anyway, the idea of this means that all I have to do is walk up to a machine, mash in my profile, my name or whatever. Maybe there's an app and I can attach to the device and boop. I get whatever sauce I want the way I want it. Same thing as coffee, right? I want to be able to walk up to a machine, throw my ID onto it from my phone. Perfect. Every time exactly how I want it, just like at home, except that I'm on the go and I don't have to make it at home or worry about the supplies or whatever else. Right. I just want a good cup of Joe. This is, I want a good cup of sauce. I love the idea of it. What do you think? I think you it wanted... sounds great. I think it minimizes waste also because you can use some of the same base ingredients for multiple sauces. Plus I think customers are going to like it. And you don't have to worry about trash packs, those little packets, right? Getting squeezed out and then right. thrown in a parking lot, all kinds of things. So I dig it. I like this. So I guess they're calling it the Heinz Remix. Kraft Heinz announced on Wednesday that it'll be rolling out its newly invented Heinz Remix machine, which is a first of a kind in an Internet of Things enabled digital sauce dispenser. So, yeah, it probably does have an app that you can just become a member of Heinz. I do hope, though, they've mastered the problem with some soda machines that for instance, there's always say raspberry iced tea or whatever in the dispenser before you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you yeah. End up so with, you... Like raspberry iced tea flavor when you're trying to get water or something. Um, that might so actually be. They've managed this. That might actually be born from not cleaning out the line when they shift from one uh, box, you know, because all it is is um, source liquids, you know. Um, so hopefully they don't do that with this, you know, they like plug in the ranch to the ketchup and then there's some ketchup in the ranch and then it switches over to ranch. Ugh. That'd be bad. Okay. Let's keep on hustling. So this next article is over in, uh, the late night geeks channel. Uh, Disney's absurdly expensive star Wars hotel is shutting down. I could not believe, Oh, it was only two nights. When I said to you earlier, you know, $5,000 for three nights is a bit much. Oh, it was two nights because it was over $2,000 for one night, I believe. Yeah, that's insane. Um, so, you know, I would never pay $5,000 for two nights uh, ever. You, you could turn me into Elon Musk with a soul tomorrow and I would not pay five grand for two nights anywhere. <laughs> but anyway, Disney world is shutting down the galactic star cruiser, the immersive two uh, star Wars themed hotel that costs around $5,000 for a two night stay in an update on Disney's website. The company said the star cruiser will host its final guests from September 28th to the 30th. So it's ending pretty soon. I wonder what they're going to end up doing with it. Converting it into something else, tearing it down. 
Well, that's what I don't really get. Um, I think it took quite a while to build it, and there was a lot of hype about it, and it has not been open that long, so it's kind of surprising. Yeah, it seems really like it's just. Uh, and Why did they know... just like reduce the prices? Because I kept thinking the prices were going to go down. Like I was astonished how I knew the pricing was going to be high. I mean, Disney but... prices tend to be high, and understandably, but this was so far beyond reach of most people. Yeah, this article is written by Emma Roth over at TheVerge.com. As a picture of the Galactic Star Cruiser, I this really looks like a a render to me, but it has uh, like people walking through it taking pictures. I don't know, maybe it is a render. Can't really. It, it might be a photo. render because they couldn't afford to go stay there. Yeah, it says a photo. Um, but anyway, so it's going to be shutting down. Um, Disney's Galactic. They spelled that wrong. Star Cruiser. Hasn't been around for long. It's only the it only first opened its doors to guests in March of 2022. I knew it had been very recent. <laughs> That's insane. With a price uh, roughly four thousand eight hundred and seven dollars for two adults, or six thousand for three adults and one kid. Three adults and one kid. How does that? Why would that combination elicit six thousand dollars? And why is there three adults and one kid? <laughs> okay, I'm just going to move on. There's two parents and a grandparent and the child or something. But I don't know about the pricing. All I just right. mean that's the combination of people. Grandma can come with us, but granddad is right out. Got it. <laughs> Disney doesn't exactly make uh, taking a stay very affordable. Yeah, I agree. There have been signs that the experience may have been struggling, however, in March, Disney announced that it would start scheduling two bookings per week in October, down from its typical three to four weekly bookings with the Halcyon set to close in September. Disney won't get the chance to make this change. So I guess it's it's all getting shut down. And this actually teases us into the very next article. So why don't we just bounce right on over to it? This next article, um, it's from a different source, but it was mentioned in uh, The Verge's article. Disney moves a billion dollar development plan out of Florida following years of conflict with Governor Ron DeSantis. Disney announced it's abandoning plans to build a $1 billion office complex near Disney World in Florida on Thursday after months of building tension between the company and the state's governor, Ron DeSantis. So that's why I said Disney is signaling to Florida residents, you're about to lose a $1 billion capital infusion in a very localized spot. And everything around Disney World is because of Disney's development plan. Now, right, some which people means all that revenue, all those taxes, all of that. I this is so short sighted. Yeah, well, it's the war against woke. But if you look at people that don't bury their head in the sand, 
the idea of being woke is not a slight on people who have a conscience, a conscience, are ethical, are uh, thoughtful, are inclusive, etc. Right? Everything woke. It basically means that they're aware that society is in turmoil and they're trying to change the status quo of, you know, oppressive behavior. Woke means being aware that we are a society. So call me woke for every single day if you want to. It means that I'm and I'm going to sit there and toot my own horn. I'm more enlightened for crying out loud because I see humans as humans and not objects that I can oppress. So in a phrase, kiss my shiny middle ass. So Disney announced it's going to abandon a $1 billion office complex near Disney World. So this is from Quartz. Um, Diego Lasart is the, or Lasarte is the um, author. And I wonder where they're going to take this. It says the new office complex would have created more than 2000 jobs in the state. And that's just a start. I guarantee you the office office complex would have grown or become more dense. Um, well, right. And that would have required additional jobs to maintain it, right? Mm-hmm. Anything from grounds maintenance to housekeeping, whatever it is. Yep. service pause why won't this video pause for crying out loud anyway um josh diamaro the chairman of disney theme park cited changing business conditions in an email sent to employees according to cnbc's report explaining why the company was scrapping its proposed campus in lake nona florida um i wonder where they're going to move it to because they have a need to still have the office complex so I'm willing to bet they're going to move it to North Carolina like they were requested to do. I mean, that would be neat. But it also, well, there's also something else here that says they have canceled plans to relocate people from California to Florida. Yep. So, I mean, that raises a question. Would they build up more in California, which could be pretty, I mean, it's a pretty pricey and crowded place to build up. But Yeah. So the article kind of hints that, or they imply that this is like this massive long-term battle, but it's actually not that long-term. It's from March of 2022 when DeSantis signs a don't say gay bill and Disney basically says, yeah, we're, we're going to speak out against this because we think it's dumb. Um, and lo and behold, DeSantis leans into it and starts waging war. So this war on woke, um, which all of these wing nuts lean into pithy little statements. Um, but it, it, it's really about forced ignorance and oppression and gatekeeping on people who one person feels is too different than the other person. And when you, start embracing things like book burning because it has uh two people of the same gender kissing you're basically leaning onto the wrong side of society and history um and it just won't last very long and 
hey, when Jacksonville decided that they're going to elect a Democratic governor. Yeah, I guess that's how it works. Um, because like there I've said, there was also in, like somebody fired for showing a Disney movie in school. Yeah. I saw, but I haven't really read that one. Yeah. There's been a few things. Um, this is the same state where somebody got fired because they showed a statue of David, um, which is just absurd. I mean, <laughs> anyway, um, so I think that Disney does have a strong future. They can basically do what uh, Apple does. Apple is like the nexus of uh, economic force. So wherever they spin up. Oh, and just to finish a thought that I was having, um, I got into a short discussion about this recently um, because of this this article, not this particular article, but the topic of this article. Um, and I was told, well, you know, Disney got all of that land through some pretty shady means. And I'm like, well, what, what do you mean shady means? And they said, well, they used, um, uh, puppet, uh, businesses, shell companies. yeah, shell companies. They used puppets to go and get the land. And I said, well, you know why they do that. Right. And gave them a chance to talk about it because they were calling out Disney and I said, you know about Apple's plan to put a data center in North Carolina? Yeah. You know what happened there? Yeah. And they said, well, yeah, a, a person found out that it was Apple and then forced them to pay millions for land that was only worth $100,000. And I said, well, you just answered the question as to why Disney would use shell or puppets to buy property. Because the moment that word gets out that there's deep pockets, it goes skyrocketing and it, not everybody gets the opportunity to do that. You know, if there were 500 people that had to be asked and everybody knew that it was Disney, then nobody, Disney would go, you know what, we'll, we'll go to North Carolina, right? But what happened is they used shells. They got all the land, built a plan, presented it won over the Florida government's heart and spun up something that is a juggernaut, an economic juggernaut. I and now this dipshit drives more tourism to that state than anything, anything in that state, but also than in other states. I mean, not every state, but a lot of states don't even go near that level of tourism. Yep. And it's all because of Disney. It's all because of Disney. Yep. Um, so whatever the, and it wasn't really unethical or any, or abusive or anything, they didn't want to get abused. So they used shell companies. Totally understand that. Now it depends on if it was nefarious, right? Like you use shell companies to buy your way to 51% of the stock. It all gets transferred over to right. one person and you become the new owner That'd of different. And then suddenly say that you're the one that started the company and you kick out the original creators of your EV company. Oh, wait, sorry. Never mind. Um, so at any rate, I wanted to say something too, because Disney didn't jump into this battle intentionally, right? They kind of stood 
by on the sidelines, but people were like, hey, Disney, you're in Florida. Are you going to speak out about this? And then they they did. And then, um, and I'm not saying they're a small player, but I they've been the target of all this because they stood up to what their consumers wanted them to speak out against. And they actually believed in it too. But the, the problem... Oh, right. I don't mean it was contrary. I just mean they didn't go out of their way to pick a battle or anything yeah and the problem here is that the the lawsuit that disney is leveraging against the state of florida and desantis i think is well founded because the legal act the actions that the state is taking in trying to silence the voice of a business post the um, Citizens United case is basically a free speech violation. And it's a free speech violation for every single member of that company because the company is basically standing up for the rights of all of the individuals within it. Well, and it's clear that they're retaliating against Disney just based on public statements. Yeah. And it is antithetical to the Constitution. There are controls on state government, federal government, etc. Now, the Constitution is specifically focused at federal government, but state government is bound by those rules as well. So this arbitrary abuse of government is specifically DeSantis's fault. There's nobody else in the government that would feel empowered to utilize the state government at this degree to go after the juggernaut of the entire state. But they want to turn it into a wingnut state, so that's the objective. I think there are some other states that would operate similarly if given the opportunity. Oh, I guarantee it. Yeah, but they're not as sociopathic. So just or imagine. they just don't have Disney present in their states. At least not yet. Yeah. They're going after the schools and, and pulling the same type of stunt. So I think it's a shame and wrong headed on the wrong side of society, on the wrong side of history. And uh I, I really do hope that Disney just crushes them and him specifically at any rate that is it for tonight for the hometown daily news show hey uh we made it closer to one hour mark congratulations uh i am Merwat. that is hometown.com up there is the ai that says bye at the end of the art at the end of the show should i do the usual and mash that welcome button all right i already said bye but Ta-da. Oh, look, we have another article about the Disney um, ten, or $1 billion campus. Yep. Let's we have see. another Tesla runaway car. Forcing him to intentionally crash it to avoid hitting people. Wow. There's been several of these, so I'm not surprised, you know, that this is happening, but I'm curious as to why. Oh, wow. Did you see the manufacturing cost of uh, Apple's 
mixed reality headset. Over oh $1,500 per unit. Well, that explains some of the price tags. That's insane. I guess I'll be waiting for the third iteration because the second iteration will still be $1,500, even if they lower all of the price costs down to, you know, $750. They don't let anything out of that out of their door unless it's 50% profit margin. So yeah, this is going to be a $3,000 device. <laughs> That's insane. $1,500 just to make it. Insane. Let's see. Indiana Jones. And if it's costing and the Apple $1,500 to make it, think how much it would cost anybody else, like a smaller company. See, but this has to be something like the prototyping of the final device, yeah, that's right? That's true. Maybe, hopefully, it's not the actual product. Can you imagine wholesale pricing? Right? Cost of goods sold pricing. No. 1500 bucks. No way. That is unbelievable. ACLU is filing a lawsuit against uh, Texas bill banning gender affirming care for minors. I think it's Texas or Florida. One of those two states says that the state can take children away if the parents are doing gender affirming care. I think that might be Texas, but not certain. Yeah, I don't remember now. It's really hard to separate to it's getting more difficult at least. Um, I have no idea what grape juicing is. <laughs> grape juicing banned in Tehran fruit market to halt some winemakers. So it must be people trying to make their own wine. Yeah. Back in the day when um, alcohol was illegal in, in pro during the prohibition times, there was um, a company that was selling like a big chunk of um mashed grapes it was a cube and it had the instructions that says do not put this in one gallon of water and let it sit for three weeks or something like that so basically it what it said do not is what would create wine correct <laughs> okay that's kind of funny yeah i have to look that up now because it makes me when i hear something that's unbelievable i have to go and find that unbelievable evidence um, that it's legit so anyway there's always some oh i really want to <laughs> i really want to click this above the law article because the I saw uh, that one as i was collecting articles but i haven't yeah. read it maybe we can do this for tomorrow sure would be a shame if a certain governor trampled the 14th amendment for clout <laughs> i love above the law it's so awesome okay folks well that's it for tonight Again, I am Marwat. That is hometown.com. And up there is the AI. Again, that saves me regularly. You want to say bye, dear AI? Good night, hometown citizens. We will see you tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern. Tomorrow's Friday. Hang in there. Friday, Friday. Mm -mm -mm -mm. DMCA or PDQ WTF. See you, everybody. <laughs>